But are they dumb? Are conspiracies dumb? I don't think so. Welcome to Two Cents Worth. I am your host, Ryan DeFaber. Today, we're going to be talking Blink-182, the return of Tom DeLonge, as well as... Because Tom DeLong believes in UFOs, that song is called Aliens Exist. UFOs, aliens, uh, what are they called now? Hold on, let me pull up the, uh, the intranet. We are also calling them now, not just UFOs, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. If you don't know what a UFO is, you must be living underneath a rock. A UFO is an unidentified flying object. Object. Whoa. UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And then, if you want to get even um, further into the um, terminology, if we are actually talking about an alien spacecraft it is a etv an extraterrestrial vehicle so today's podcast put your tinfoil hats on people let's talk conspiracies i don't think they are let's talk blink 182 the return of tom DeLong, one of my favorite bands of all time i'm going to give you a little bit of history of how i became a blink 182 fan and why i do enjoy them so much as well as unidentified flying objects unidentified aerial phenomenon, extraterrestrial vehicle, my thoughts on aliens. (laughs) It's funny to just even talk about and say out loud, but because Tom DeLonge and Blink-182 are back together, I figured what better way to have a podcast than talking about that. And my thoughts on UFOs, I just listened to a great podcast on the Joe Rogan podcast, Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Ryan Graves, ex-U.S. Navy fighter pilot, talking about seeing them every single day in his flights and all the other squadrons, seeing them every single day. We're going to talk Bob Lazar. We're going to talk Jeremy Corbell. We're going to be talking about To the Stars, Academy of Arts and Sciences, It's a San Diego-based company co-founded by Mr. Tom DeLonge, guitarist and lead singer of Blink-182 and Angels and Airwaves. And what their involvement is in finding extraterrestrial life and everything in between. And my experiences. I've had two experiences in my life to where I've seen some strange things in the sky that I can't explain. I'm no expert, but it's just me as a normal person. Figured it'd be a fun episode. Sit back, relax, get your tinfoil hats on. It's going to be a good one. We're going Blink-182, folks. Blink-182, back. I bought my tickets. Lindsay and I are going to the, the tour, the concert here in Charlotte, July 14th, 2023, Spectrum Center. Get your tickets now. Uh, they are getting more and more expensive. Full disclosure, I just spent over $500 on two tickets. Not $500 each. But there are tickets that are probably $500 each. Over $550 for two tickets. But it's on a Friday. We'll get a hotel room. We'll make it a little mini vacation. Go see one of our favorite bands. I would argue that it's one of Lindsay's favorite bands as well. Blink-182. So, uh, if you don't know Blink-182, once again, uh, I don't know if my audience is 100 years old or... 
uh, a bunch of nine-year-olds because obviously I've had Harrison and Nolan on quite a bit. So maybe it's a bunch of nine-year-olds. They don't know who Blink-182 is. We had a dance party with Blink-182 the other night. They've released their new song, Edging. We had it playing that song and all the other songs with the boys after a night of dinner out. We came home. Great way to end a, uh, a night out. I believe it was Friday night. And uh, try and tire the kids out as much as possible. We had Blink-182 going, and it was a blast. Blink-182, quick um, history for you. Blink-182, American rock band. I, we'd call them, let's call them pop punk, because that's what they really are. They're a pop punk band formed in Poway, California, San Diego area. It is Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLong, Travis Barker. Travis Barker was not the original drummer of Blink-182, if you did not know that. Uh, he did not become the drummer until Enema of the State, which is their biggest album, their breakthrough album, 1999. So they were formed in 1992, and they became uh, really, really famous in 1999. They had a few albums before then, um, uh, and we'll get to those as well. Uh, but Travis Barker did not become the drummer until Enema of the State. He was the drummer of the Aquabats, another pop-punk pop band in the Southern California area at the time. And uh, so that is Blink-182. Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLonge, Travis Barker, pop-punk band formed in San Diego area in 1992. Their albums... We're going to scroll down because I want to make sure I get them all right because... Oh, they they don't have Buddha on here. Studio albums. Ah, okay. So these are the studio albums. Buddha was the original one. Then you had Cheshire Cat, which was released in 1995. Dude Ranch, which is really, in my opinion, where they started to gain momentum and traction. 1997, their original drummer left the band to go to college. Um, mistake, some might say, possibly, or. Would you say Blink-182 wouldn't be where they are today without Travis Barker, his incredible drums and rhythm? Don't know. Enema of the State, 1999. That is where All the Small Things uh, was released. That that song, it was all over TRL. If you remember TRL, Total Request Live, Carson Daly on MTV. That's when MTV used to play music. I find my age saying that quite a bit. Uh, MTV, for those of you that don't know, because all it is is reality television now, it used to stand for music television. Don't know why they even still call themselves MTV, but they do. Anyways, that was 1999. Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, 2001. That is high school for me. 1999 was high school, 2001 high school. Then they came out with Blink-182, that's the name of the album, 2003. Neighbors in 2011, big hiatus. Tom DeLonge left the band in 2005, formed Angels and Airwaves. Travis Barker and Mark Hoppus formed a band um, uh, Plus 44. And then also you had Boxcar Racer, which was Travis Barker, Tom DeLonge, and some other members. So Travis Barker kind of going, playing both party lines here. Hoppus and, and uh, DeLonge, as they formed their own bands, Hiatus there. Then they came back together and uh, recorded Neighborhoods. Tom DeLong left again. Matt, uh, oh man, I always get his last name wrong. Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio 
comes in, becomes the third member to keep the Blink-182 name alive. They released California in 2016, and then the last album, Nine, in 2019. They will be hopefully putting out a new album with Tom DeLonge now. Probably 2023 would be my guess for the release of it. But that is how um, the band has worked. Uh, Scott Rayner, if you are wondering, was the former drummer, 1992 to 1998, the original drummer, now Travis Barker. So anyway, so there, there it is. That's, that's Blink-182. Why do I like Blink-182 so much? So who actually got me first started listening to Blink-182 was my cousin Renee. Renee at the time was big into pop, punk, or even punk rock. Uh, we were middle school, going into high school time. She had me listen to Cheshire Cat, Buddha, Dude Ranch a little bit. And I was like, all right, this band's kind of cool. Moved to Charlotte in 1999 um, and met a kid in high school, and we became good friends. They had moved here, too. Uh, the one year I went to Providence High School, and... Um, he actually was the one that introduced me to Incubus, my overall favorite band of all time, Incubus. Blink-182 is up there as well, but not not as much as Incubus. I love Incubus for anybody that doesn't know. My favorite band of all time, unbelievable. He got me to listen to Make Yourself, and I would listen to that album on repeat forever and ever and ever and ever. It was awesome. Then I'd have gotten to Science. We can do a whole other episode on that. Blink-182, though... Cousin Renee gets gets me into it. Then it goes to uh, my buddy here, and he got me listening to Enema of the State, and that was on repeat forever. And then I got really into punk, and I was buying like best of punk albums. Uh, as I mentioned, Matt Skiba of Alkaline Trio. I have multiple Alkaline Trio albums or CDs at the time. Let's say CDs. Anything like pop punk punk fast you know all that type of stuff jimmy world i was big into in high school it became my favorite genre of music was that that punk scene in the late 90s early 2000s and um you know i, I mentioned some some popular ones there right blank 22 alkaline trio jimmy world there's plenty of others that i listened to i don't have my uh <laughs> cd book in front of me i should have actually grabbed it because it, i'm be very interested to see all these other CDs that I had that um, were of that genre. Um, but really got into it, got into it so much to where it was like I might want to take up, uh, at the time, I I uh, played no instruments, and I thought maybe I'd, I'd uh, him and the guy, I, I feel horrible, I can't even remember the guy's name. Uh, I only went to Providence High School for a year, and then after that, uh, went to Charlotte Christian and met my other buddy Trey, who was also a huge Blink-182 fan, and we used to go real deep into uh, their albums, Cheshire Cat on repeat. And if you listen to Cheshire Cat and like the recording uh, quality, definitely not anywhere near than Dude Ranch. And then Dude Ranch compared to Enema of the State, the recording quality even still was different. And so like if you listen to Cheshire Cat, like in my opinion, you are a hardcore Blink-182 fan. And even Buddha, because like again, that is like they recorded it in a garage, it feels like. But we would go around Charlotte driving in his uh, Jeep Wrangler, just blasting Blink-182. He was a drummer. We'd go back to his house. He'd play the drums. I mean, huge fans of Blink-182. Still to this day, 
Trey and I will still talk about Blink-182. When Tom DeLonge announced a couple weeks ago that he was coming back to the band, Trey was the first person I texted about it because of my excitement and uh, and, and everything about it. So uh, we share in that interest of Blink-182, that love for Blink-182. But it really started when I was in... Uh, uh, in middle school and then really took on uh, a head in, in, in high school and continued ever since. Um, Lindsay has a couple of their albums as well. When her and I met in college, you know, you go through, you know, there we'd always be in the car, right? Whenever you're in the car, you look through people's CD albums to see what they're listening to. And it's like, my wife has a very eclectic uh, choice of music from, country to some stuff in the 1970s because of her dad music in the 80s she loves 80s music i don't know why it's look we love each other for our even our own faults right love for 80s music to me is a fault that's my opinion but anyways uh loves 80s music but then even has Jimmy World CDs, Blink-182 CDs. And I'm like, whoa, okay, all right. I can I can put past the Madonna albums that you might have. You might not have Madonna, Madonna albums, but regardless. So even Lindsay shares that enjoyment of Blink-182 with me and had Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. She'd never really heard of Dude Ranch and Cheshire Cat. That's fine. You don't need to go as hardcore as I do uh, in some music, especially for some of my favorite artists, again, like Blink-182 and Incubus. I have every single one of their albums, and that's just that's just what I do. When I find an artist that I like, I want to have all of their albums, whether I think they're great or good or not that good. I want to have them because it gives me a whole, basically, time frame, a whole life cycle of their musical journey. Call me weird, whatever. I don't care. That's fine with me. But her being a fan of Blink-22 was also great, um, but man... So excited to see the band back together. We got our tickets. We're going. It's they just put out good music. I like that they've changed the, some of their sounds from you know early on. From let, let's just start with Dude Ranch or even Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State. It was kind of that funny, haha, like pop punk stuff. Then they got a little serious, and now they're kind of kind of a mixture of both. And their sound did change a little bit, but they still stay true. I really did appreciate that. I do like that. Um, you know, another band that I thought uh, kind of went on uh, off their uh, way a little bit was Linkin Park, another one of my great favorite bands. Uh, could never really get into their latest albums, you know, rest in peace, Chester. Um, but Blink-182 stayed, stayed true to that. Got a little darker at times. Then also, because of being such a big fan... I have all the Angels and Airwaves albums. I had Plus 44. I had Boxcar Racer. Everything that these guys were involved in, I was a big fan of. Now you look at Travis Barker. He's doing stuff with Machine Gun Kelly, uh, what's Willow Smith. All you know, he's involved now with doing drums on all these other groups and artists and everything. So expanding into that, I don't go that deep into it. Not a big fan of Machine Gun Kelly. Again, maybe it's just my age, uh, you know, nearing 40. Don't know if I'm going to be listening to that type of music. But still, you know, he's kind of in that pop punk uh, frame now. Machine Gun Kelly is started as a rapper, kind of moved into that area. Um, 
But that's that's my love for Blink-182. That's where it started. I can thank my cousin. I can thank some of my old friends that I don't even remember their names. So friends at the time. And, you know, somebody like Trey that shared such a uh, vested interest in the band as I did. Not really any other of my other friends really do or did. Uh, but he still does, and I appreciate that, and that, that what makes it fun to still talk to him about all this stuff. I'm very much looking forward to the tour. The last time I saw Blink-182 was in high school when I went to the Warp Tour. You know, So I haven't seen them live in 20-plus years, so it's going to be really fun. It's going to be inside an arena. I'm sure it's going to be a crazy show. Really looking forward to it. Uh, but that leads me into my next piece of the podcast. Here's where we start getting our tinfoil hats on, people. We're talking UFOs. Let's talk Tom DeLong. okay? Why Tom DeLong? Um, because we're talking Blink-182, but we're also now talking about the fact that he's so... V- has invested so much of his time and thoughts into not only UFOs and aliens, but he's also big into other conspiracies. Uh, he does Bigfoot hunts and things like that. Um, but I'm going to pull up. Let's see. All right, here we go. In 2011, Tom DeLong launched Strange Times, a website devoted to extraterrestrial life, paranormal activity, cryptozoology, and conspiracy theories. So, obviously, big into that. Um, He has done... uh, He's... What else has he done? Here we go. Conspiracy theories and, and aliens. He has been a believer in aliens, UFOs, and conspiracy theories since his youth... Well before founding Blink-182, and in 2011, he created that website. He's also created, like I said, he is um, co-founder of To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. Uh, It is composed of aerospace, science, and entertainment divisions. The company was founded in 2017 as a public benefit corporation by Jim... Semivan, a former senior intelligence officer with the CIA, Harold Puthoff, and Tom Tom DeLong. The entertainment division was created by acquiring DeLong's previous media company, To the Stars Incorporated. Um, And the entertainment side of it, they produce shows. One of note is on the History Channel, Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation. Um... A feature film based on the Strange Times book series was in production, but it has been repurposed into a television series for TBS. To the Stars has also started production on a documentary TV series and a feature film for the Secret Machines franchise. So that is what they do. There's a bunch of other stuff that 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 organization does. Back to Tom DeLonge. Um, So... Well before founding Blink-182 to the stars, that website, everything. Travis Barker said in 2019 interview that he that Tom DeLonge is incredibly passionate about conspiracy theories, aliens, UFOs, and that he would look for UFOs outside the tour bus window and even create search parties to find Bigfoot. Interesting. 
In 2014, DeLong shared an article on Twitter. Oh, that was, he He got caught in misinformation. Big word nowadays, 2014, not so much, but big word nowadays in, uh, is um, misinformation. In 2015, he founded the entertainment company To The Stars. It merged To The Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. Aside from the entertainment division, the new company had aerospace and science divisions dedicated to ufology and the fringe science proposals of To The Stars co-founder Harold Puthoff. So fringe science proposals that Harold Puthoff has put together. In 2018, uh, a financial statement filed by the SEC, the company reported that it incurred losses from operations and has accumulated deficit of $37 million. Woo. These factors raise doubt about the company's ability to continue on going as a concern. Well, in 2019, the company produced the History Channel's television show, Unidentified, I already told you that, about the USS Nimitz UFO incident, which also featured DeLong. In 2020, 20, sorry, in April of 2020, the Pentagon, the Pentagon, I'm reading too fast and trying to talk, the Pentagon declassified three videos which had been captured of UFOs. DeLong had previously released these videos through his company back in 2017. So he had these videos before. In 2020, the Pentagon released them. I believe they are about the USS Nimitz UFO incident. Um, if you haven't heard about that, I would go and listen to... Um, I would go and listen to... Joe Rogan's podcast, he has David Fravor on there. He is the fighter pilot who, in 2004, claims to have investigated radar indications of a possible target off the coast of Southern California. Fravor said the oper operator had told him that the USS Princeton, part of the strike group, had been tracking unusual aircraft for two weeks prior to the incident. The aircraft would appear at 80,000 feet before descending rapidly toward the sea and stopping at 20,000 feet and hovering. Fravor reported that he saw an object, white and oval, tic-tac shaped, hovering above an ocean disturbance. He estimated that the object was about 40 feet long. Fravor and another pilot, Alex Dietrich, said in an interview that a total of four people, two pilots and two weapons systems officers in the back seats of the two airplanes, witnessed the object for about five minutes. Fravor says that as he spiraled downward to get closer to the object, the object ascended, mirroring the trajectory of his airplane until the object disappeared. A second wave of fighters, including pilot Lieutenant Commander Chad Underwood, took off from Nimitz to investigate. Unlike Fravor, Un Underwood's fighter was equipped with an advanced infrared camera, FLIR. Underwood recorded the FLIR video and coined the description tic-tac to describe the infringement infrared image but did not himself see any unusual objects so the FLIR picked up the object he could not actually see it with his own eyes that was in 2004 that is what the USS Nimitz UFO files are that is what Tom DeLonge was a part of releasing those um, 2017 is when the New York Times reported the incidents and it wasn't until three years later that the Pentagon released them. So what is the government hiding from us? Why do we not know about these things? Well, a lot of them are declassified. Are, are classified. A lot of them they are unsure of, right? That is why they are called unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAPs. Are they otherworldly? Are they from other planets? Who knows? My opinion, 
I think you would be very naive to sit here and say that we are the only beings in the entire universe of space and time. It is so large, we continue to find new galaxies almost every day. They're piling up in the thousands and thousands. And you're going to tell me that we're the only planet in infinite space that have living beings? I don't think so. Now, do we have technology? Do these other uh, potential extraterrestrials have the technology to get to the U.S. or the U.S. get to Earth? Maybe not. Maybe they are actually already here and we've just not discovered them because they've figured out ways to cloak themselves. A lot of things coming out of the ocean. The ocean is 80% unchartered. Do they come out of the ocean? There are more and more instances now of uh, these witnesses seeing objects coming up out of the water as well as descending into the water. Are they man-made? Technology that the government and militaries across the world and the powers are much more advanced than what we see today. They have to be, right? You always have to be moving technology technologically forward. So is it non-human? Is it human that we're seeing all these things? I bet you it's a mixture of both. I bet you that there's technology out there that governments have created that only certain sectors know of and will never release for multiple reasons, risk, advantage, whatever it might be. Um, also, I think there are plenty of non-human out there that are unexplained, that are not run by governments. So again, we're talking about a infinite galaxy. Not only let's just talk about our own galaxy, Let's talk about all the other galaxies. Who's to say that we are the most technologically advanced civilization in all of these galaxies? Silly. Silly, people. Don't be naive. Open your mind up a little bit. I don't think so. I think there are plenty of other um, beings, non-human, whatever we want to call them, out there that do exist that are probably much more technologically advanced. We advance so much in so many year over year. Think about just the airplane in general, right? The first flight was what? What, what, what were the Wright brothers? Wright brothers' first flight. Oh, come on now. Uh, <laughs> I want first flight. First flight. Wright Brothers first flight. 1903. So in a little over 100 years, think about that, right? We're in year 2022 AD, after death. All the years before of what we know from civilization. Within 100 years, we went from not having anything that can go into the air to having the planes that we have today the technology we have today, that is extremely advanced when you think about a lifetime of a civilization that we have here on Earth, and we're talking millions and millions and millions of years, right? We talk about the dinosaurs, all that type of stuff, right? To think that within 100 years we've advanced so much, to think that there's not other civilizations out there or whatever, non-human, whatever we might want to call them, alien, that aren't ahead of us? Ah, come on. I don't know. I don't know. Hard to Hard to sit there and say, oh... There's no, we're the only ones out there. I don't know. Uh, so, Tom DeLong to the stars. There's your correlation between 
Blink-182 and Tom DeLonge. Uh, I also want to talk about the UFOs, UAPs. And then if you've not heard of Jeremy Corbell, I all, I follow him on Instagram. He has also been on the Joe Rogan podcast, amongst other. He's on a lot of news networks talking about um, what he is is doing for the UFO, UAP um, community. And he has released several UAP videos and still images which have been verified by authentic as authentic by sources in the Pentagon and Department of Defense. These have included images taken by pilots using their cell phones while in the cockpit, which is illegal by the way, but they do also do that and they're supposed to submit that to the FAA. Listen to the Ryan Graves podcast uh, with Joe Rogan. He talks about that as well. Um, and, uh, okay. So he, he has released images taken by pilots using their cell phones while in the cockpit radar data showing 14 UAPs swarming the USS Omaha. Now, again, where there's a lot of military action, there seems to be a lot of UAP UFO phenomenon. Interesting. What are they trying to do? Are they trying to see where we are from a military existence? Right, that's where, well, let's put the tinfoil hats on. Are they trying to stop us from destroying our civilization? We talk nuclear war. That's been a topic of conversation once again. It was during the Cold War. It's come back around again full circle with Russia and the United States and the invasion of Ukraine. Are, we, are they monitoring us to ensure that we do not destroy Earth in a nuclear catastrophe and things like that. Why is it always around? Now, it's not always around, but why are a lot of these sightings around military destroyers and aircraft carriers and, and fighter jets and all that stuff? And the video, Triangular Crafts in the Sky, filmed by U.S. Navy personnel. There are plenty, right? The, the United States alone has been investigating UFOs since the 1940s. Um, the History Channel, Discovery Channel, all these, you know, more educational type channels on, on TV put out a lot of shows around the UFOs, Project Blue Book, all that type of stuff, right? Um, it's obviously something that the government does look into, right? The fact that the Pentagon and the Department of Defense, the DOD, is saying that these are authentic and that they are by sources. They are releasing more and more classified information. They're declassifying it around UFOs. Um, we, we, as the United States, created um, a new branch of government. What is the new branch of government? Uh, branches of government, Ryan. Branches of military. U.S. branches of military space force. We have the Coast Guard, the Marines, Navy, Army, Air Force, and Space Force. The Space Force. Space Force. Space Force is a military branch of the nation's armed forces that conducts military operations in outer space and space warfare. Interesting. Uh, the world's first Space Force was the Russian Space Forces, established in 1992 as an ind independent military service. Hmm. So Russia, getting ahead of us on that one, but... We, we now have the Space Force, uh, supposedly, to defend um, for any potential space attacks from other countries, but could it be also to protect from other 
phenomenon, extraterrestrial, who knows, right? That's where the government comes involved, and, and we don't know everything that's going on with the government, nor should we. But Jeremy Corbell has also released a lot of documentary films on Netflix, one of which um, is very, very intriguing to me as well as a lot of others, and it, it got a lot of um, uh, attention, was the Bob Lazar Area 51 and Flying Saucers. It's a feature-length documentary focused on the claims of Bob Lazar that he back-engineered alien spacecraft that the U.S. government has in their possession. He had back-engineered alien spacecraft from another world for the United States military at a secret base called S-4 near Area 51. We all think Area 51 is where they, ho they you know, um, the Roswell crash and they brought the aliens and the ships there. Bob Lazar's claim is that Area 51, yes, it does exist. It, is, it, it does truly exist. Um, but that there is another secret base near Area 51 called S-4 that to which he worked and worked on back engineering one of the ships. You can also look at Bob Lazar and learn more about him. Um, he, uh, he claimed he was hired in the late 80s to reverse engineer extraterrestrial technology this work supposedly occurred at a secret site called S-4, a subsidiary installation allegedly located several kilometers south of the U.S. Air Force facility, popularly known as, popularly known as Area 51. Learn more about, if you're into this type of stuff, I, I highly suggest you go watch that, net, that Netflix documentary by Jeremy Corbell. Follow Jeremy Corbell also on Instagram. Go and watch him on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's been a, 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 a guest a few times. Bob Lazar was also a guest on the Joe Rogan. I feel like I'm plugging Joe quite a bit, but that's one of the few podcasts that I do listen to. Um, and the latest one with Ryan Graves, a U.S. Navy pilot. Um, and then also you had um, uh, Fravor on there as well a while ago. But Rogan has these people on. La latest one I listened to was Ryan Graves. I thought it was interesting that it was – that. I was listening to that about UFOs, and I'm like, oh, well, Blink-182's gotten back together. I'm like, oh, what a great way to have a podcast, talk about this type of stuff. Um, so Bob Lazar, very interesting background, very interesting story. He's been telling it for years and has never, I believe he's done uh, lie detector tests and has actually never failed them either. So is everything you hear true? I don't know. That's, that's for you to decide, right? I look at it and say... I think a lot of these stories are becoming more and more uncovered and accepted and even accepted by the government because you can't always hide everything from the people, right? What are we hiding? What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of letting out? Like I said, some of it will be military. I absolutely don't disagree with that. And then there's going to be others that are unexplained. And for that, I think we as people of citizens of this world, um, have the right to to question and, and look and, and ask why. I've had two incidences in my life, one of which involved my son, Nolan. Um, but the first one, uh, growing up in Rhode Island, clear summer night, I had a hill in between my house and the neighbor's house, and me and my buddy were out, and we were uh, out at night looking at the stars, and we saw a, what looked like a star moving. It was looked like a star. It was a white light nothing else glowing on it nothing else no other lights emitting from it heading towards another star maybe a shooting star what we presume but it wasn't moving super fast hit another star 
or what we think was another star or another light, to which that other star went up into in a totally different direction. It was wild. It was something weird that I saw. I still remember it to this day. It was literally taking a path to that one that one light but looked like a star, and then that other light took off in a different direction the minute the other one hit it, um, and then kind of out of our purview. I don't know. I don't know. Unexplained, right? The latest one that uh, I saw was a few years ago. We were at the beach on family vacation. Me and Nolan were out crab hunting. So when you go crabbing, you got to do it at night because that's when the crabs come out. You, you try and catch them with your um, nets. And we were looking out off into the ocean and offshore, miles and miles offshore was a thunderstorm. And you could see the thunderstorm in the clouds. And every every once in a while, a bright circular red light would appear. Thunder would, you could tell the thunder. It was yellow, the white, the light, all that. Or the thunder. Really, Ryan? You could see the thunder? No, you hear the thunder, stupid. The lightning. (laughs) You would see the lightning emanate in the clouds or illuminate the clouds, and then you would see these few red lights that were not in the clouds but nearby it, and then they would disappear. And there was other people around us that also saw it, and they were also pointing at it and, and looking at it. And this was miles and miles offshore. So it was very interesting to see. And then kind of what made me remember that was that in the Ryan Graves interview on the Joe Rogan podcast, he talked about that off the shores of Virginia, North Carolina, Florida, where they were doing military exercises that he would, they would see these objects every single day that they would go out. And then the same thing is when they were training in California off the coast, every single time they would show up on their radars. These objects that were emitting heat signatures, but no trail behind them like our normal aircrafts. And the same thing was happening off the shore of the East Coast. And so for me, when I was hearing that, I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of had forgotten about that. Uh, But it was interesting too, because I was like, you know, could, could could it be explained? Absolutely. And anything could potentially be explained. But from what I saw and what others were seeing, I was dumbfounded by it because I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like these lights are literally, they would show up and then disappear and not like a flashing light, like disappear for a minute or two or even more and then appear again. And it was like, it was not more, it was more than one. So I've had some incidents in my life. Um, I am very open to the idea that there is other life forms out there, that there is technology more advanced than we even have on Earth today that might exist on Earth. Or again, our oceans are 80% uh, unexplored. Uh, do these beings have the ability to cloak their craft because they are so te- technologically advanced? I don't know. Um, it's, it's just very interesting to me I believe some of our governments are obviously involved in a lot of that stuff that they cannot release, and I totally accept that, and I'm fine with that. But you get a lot of these now declassified files becoming classified where the government has been looking at a lot of these phenomenon, and a lot of them are still unexplained. So I implore you to open your mind. Uh, I implore you to listen to Blink-182. That's my two cents worth on the subject. Believe what you want to believe. I believe that there is more life out there. I am a huge fan of Star Wars. I think that's such a cool thing to think. And I love how they've preferenced it. 
in a galaxy far, far away, a time long ago. So not like my boys are like, oh, this takes place in the future. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It actually takes place a long time ago. Sorry, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Far, far away. And that they have that technology to move ships and go into light speed and all that type of stuff. And then growing up, my dad was a big Star Trek fan. We used to watch that all the time. So, uh, and my dad's big into NASA and and space exploration and and whatnot. So, it, it's always been a part of my life. Um, and I just think it's cool. I think it's, I think to me again, it's naive to think that we're the only people or only beings out here in this massive infinite space but you believe what you want to believe that's what i believe that's my two cents worth on the subject that's my experiences with it some of my sightings i always look up into the sky i think it's wild we're on this tiny little rock flinging around the universe and there's so much more out there that we'll never see or know about and it's just really really cool to me um and I'm extremely interested in it. And uh, there's so much more to talk about. I've already talked about it for 40 minutes. Blink-182, they're back together. Let's go, baby. UFOs, UAPs, ETVs, whatever you want to call them. It's such an interesting topic, and I hope you guys could follow along with it. I was bouncing around quite a bit, but I tried to keep on track. I appreciate you. Again, as always, like Share this on your social medias. Tell people about Two Cents Worth. Let's get this podcast growing again. We are close to 5,000 downloads. We're a little over 100 away. I would love to reach that by the end of the year. Uh, I think we can do it. It's October. Let's go, people. Two Cents Worth. I'm your host, Ryan DeFaber. Thank you very much.